All right, let me pray and we'll get into the word today. Father, thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for what you're doing in our heart and our lives. God, I thank you for these people, Lord, that have assembled here today in this place. Lord, we thank you for City Gate Church. We bless you. We honor you, God. Lord, we magnify your name. Have your way today in this place. Have your way in this place. It's your church. We bless you. We honor you today. Lord, I pray, God, that every bondage, every addiction, every stronghold is broken off of our lives because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. You said it is finished, and it was finished. His work was finished. We thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus for setting us free today. If you agreed with that, would you say amen? Amen. All right, I'm going to share today on um, a, a thing called My Church. My Church, and it's called this amazing thing called church. I love the church, not just our church, but I love this wonderful thing called the church, and I want to look at it. Last week I mentioned something, uh, kind of a disappointing statistic about the church, and I said this for the first time since 1930 when they kept. Uh, stats on this. They kept uh, you know, surveys. For the first time since 1930, Americans who say that they are affiliated, keyword they're affiliated with a church, has fallen below 50%. And uh, you know, when you say affiliated with a church, that doesn't mean that a person goes to church. They're affiliated with a church. There's people that may have grew up in a, in a church with their parents, and then as they got older, they, they didn't go. And if somebody asked them, what church do you go to, or what church do you belong to? Well, I'm affiliated with such and such a church. They've never been there in 30 years, but they're affiliated with that church because they've got some kind of an attendance there one or two times. But again, that's, that was, to me, staggering. And again, that's not even talking about actual church attendance. One-third, one-third of Americans actually attend church on a weekly basis. One-third in a nation that was founded on Judeo-Christian values. Is this, it's amazing. It's kind of like Europe is like, it's like um, I mean, there's big, beautiful churches there, but they're empty. And uh, they are known, you know, it's in a post-Christian, um, post-Christian world. And uh, it seems like America is, is heading in that direction. And I think COVID uh, had something to do with that uh, here in, in the United States. When they, churches, some churches shut down, and I think people kind of got out of the habit uh, of going. And so I think that had something to do with the numbers. But what actually is the church? What actually makes up the church? Let me give you a couple of scriptures. I always want to be scripturally based. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, this is the God's Word translation, says God's family is the church of the living God. God's family is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of truth. One other scripture is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, Ephesians 2, 19, says you are members of God's very own family, citizens of God's country, and you belong in God's household. You belong in God's household with every Christian, with every other Christian. You know, it means, it means something to recall, we're called to belong, not just to believe. Hello? I said we're called to belong to the body of Christ. We're called to belong to the local church, not just, again, not just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You think about it, Adam lived in a perfect world. He lived in a perfect environment, but yet God said, God said to him, or God said, it's not good for man to be alone, Genesis 2.18. It's not good for man to be alone, and he created him a helpmate uh, to be with him. The Bible never highlights, never, never uh, illustrates or highlights solitary saints or, or spiritual hermits or those, again, those long-ranger Christians. It never highlights it on a, in a good light. 
to be like that way. Notice how the Bible mentions that we are put together, joined together, built together, members together, heirs together, fitted together, held together, and one day we'll be caught up in the air together to meet him in the air. And what a glorious day that will be. Romans chapter 12 verse 5 says, we are many parts, one body, we are all belong to each other. We all belong to each other. C.S. Lewis noted that the, the, the term membership has its origins in the church. Its origins in the church, but the world has kind of emptied it of its meaning. In other words, stores offer discounts. Stores offer discounts to its members. There's, there's advertisers, they use members uh, to, uh, to get names together, to, to make a mailing list, and then they sell those lists. That's why you get on so many mailing lists. You get so much junk mail because advertisers who have your address, they sell it and make money on it to other people. And in most churches, membership means nothing more than just having your name on a roll. There's no requirements and no expectations in those churches. When we read the, the writings of the Apostle Paul, you see that members of the church were meant to be a vital part were to be a, a vital organ or a, at least a, a part of that body. In other words, an indispensable, an interconnected part of the body of Christ. An, inter, an interconnected part of the body of Christ. Look what Romans chapter 12 says. Romans chapter 12 verse 4 says this. In this way, we are like the various parts of the human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. The body of Christ is made up of Christ, of, the, of God's chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and functions as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned in all of these excellent, formed, marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, Let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something that we aren't. So if a part of the body, if our part of our body was, was cut off, an arm, a toe, a hand, and it was just laid over to the side, what would happen to it? Would it, could it just stay there for, for years and just be okay? No, what would happen to it? It would shrivel up and it would die. The Bible says that the life of the flesh is in the blood. If there's no blood supply. And actually, you wouldn't even really have to cut an arm off. You could even put a tight tourniquet on and stop the blood flow. And that arm or the hand or that leg would shrivel up. So again, the answer to that is what happens again. It shrivels up. And so do we when we separate ourselves again from the church. Again, we cut off ourselves from the life flow. And we begin to, to wither up. One of the first symptoms of spiritual decline is usually an inconsistent attendance at worship services and other church gatherings. You know, there was a story that I read just recently about a young couple that met in a, in a great church up in, uh, up in New York City. It was Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn Tabernacle, uh, pastored by Jim Cimbala, his wife Carol. They have a great uh, worship and uh, a lot of CDs and stuff with their music. But it's a great church, and they met there, they, they got involved in the church, were highly uh, invested in the church. And then the husband, he got, uh, he got offered a job at another, in another city. They went there, first thing they did is they found a good um, church, and they enjoyed that church for about five years. And then the church kind of went through a, a metamorphosis and kind of went through into a, being a more of a seeker-friendly church. The worship, they said, kind of became more of a production. Uh, and it was just, it just, and the sermons were more about 
having a good time and other things than, than what it was, what they were used to before. And the, the husband kind of wandered off of the path and uh, began having inappropriate relationships, ended up having an affair. They ended up getting a divorce. And uh, by the time that the pastor, Pastor Jim up in Brooklyn, got, got news of it, uh, his wife contacted him. They'd, they'd already gotten the divorce. And uh, he contacted the man who, they had a wonderful relationship, but to that day, uh, he said, he had, he had not, uh, to that day, in other words, later, he said he had never heard back from the, from the gentleman. And so again, it's just that getting separated, quit going to church. Again, it's the, again, it's the first step, again, to, to decline. I can't overemphasize how much God loves the church. God loves the church. Jesus said, it said this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The person who says that I don't, I don't need church is either really, they're one of two things, they're either ignorant or they're arrogant. We all need church. If you're a born-again believer, we need, we need the local church. <clears throat> you want to know how, how significant uh, Christ felt about the church? Ephesians 5.25. Ephesians 5.25 says this, Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. The church is called the body of Christ. The church is called the bride of Christ. Can you imagine walking up to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I love you, but I don't think too much of your bride. It'd be a little bit of offensive, wouldn't it? All right, Jesus, I accept you as the head of the church, but I don't care too much for your body. But we're instructed to love the church. The word of God instructs us to love the family of God. First Peter chapter 2, verse 17 says, Treat everyone you meet with dignity. Love your spiritual family. Revere God and respect the, <clears throat> the government. I know I can't believe it said that. But we are, to, we are to respect. It says in many translations to respect the king, but the king represents the government. And we're to be, the Bible says that we are to submit to all authority until there's a line that's crossed. When it crosses the word of God, we don't submit to that any longer. doesn't mean we don't submit to them in everything, but in that, what, what goes against the word of God, we don't submit to any longer. So most, uh, most of the references, again, that we hear when we read in the Bible are referring to the local church and not the, the universal church. The universal church, of course, is, is every Christian throughout the world is a part of the universal church. But the local church are the individual churches. And we talk about the, the body of Christ. It is made up of individual churches. I'm sure we are a main part on the, on the body of Christ. You know, it's, there's armpits, and there's elbows, there's fingers, there's toes, there's hearts. I believe that we're a heart church. I'm just kidding, y'all. <laughs> every believer, every believer is a part of the family of God. Remember when we read this verse earlier, just a moment ago, Ephesians 2, uh, verse 19, it says this, that you are members of God's own family, citizens of God's country. Watch this. You belong in God's household. You belong in God's household with every other Christian. We belong in local churches along with every other Christian. You know, people today, we strive for independence. We strive for independence. We want to be uh, independent. In fact, our country is, fa is, is founded on what? The Declaration of Independence. Again, people want to be financially independent. don't want to depend on, on anyone. They strive for that. And uh, people, people think that they can be, when people think that they can be a good Christian without joining a church or without even attending a church, I don't believe that God agrees with that. 
God certainly doesn't see that as a strength when we can make it on our own. But again, we need the church. I want to give you four, quickly, I want to give you four reasons. Four reasons uh, why we need to be committed to an, an active and a local church fellowship. Number one is this. A solid commitment to a local church signifies you're a genuine believer. Let me read that again. A solid commitment to a local church signifies that you are a genuine believer. Now, again, we, we all know this just because a person attends the church regularly doesn't mean that they're born again, right? We know the only way to get saved is, to get, is through coming through Jesus Christ. He is the door. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. It's not just attending, not just going to church. But if a person is a follower of Christ, I think that there's just an assumption, even in the world, that if you're a Christian, that, you're, that you go to a place called church. You know, how is it that, that, and I've known this, people that have gone to church for many years, and then they, they begin to miss, and then they, they just stop going altogether, and they're so, they would be affiliated with certain churches. My question is, to them is, when you, when you witness, when, you're, uh, when we walk in the when the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 19, that we've been, in verse 18, it says we've been reconciled unto the Lord, and he's given us the ministry of reconciling. He's given us the ministry of going out and leading other people uh, to be saved like we were. How do you, you know, for the main things that we need to do when we're born again, we need to, we need to learn to pray. And people, you know, say, well, I've been praying for years, but again, just because you pray, you need to learn to pray. Jesus' disciples told him, said, Teach us to pray as John, talking about John the Baptist, he had disciples. As he taught his disciples to pray, teach us to pray. And Jesus didn't say, no, nah, no, nah, you'll figure it out. It'll, you know, you'll, it'll just come to you. He said, no, when you pray, pray after this manner. And he gave them six demarcations. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And each one of those things, they didn't mean recite this every day. That those are demarcations of, of what they meant. We'll talk more about that on another, on another day. But again, it's important again. So we, we learn to pray. We read our Bibles. We go to church, and it's important that we go to church. Remember that step number three. And then number four is that we begin telling other people because the moment that you get saved, you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Amen? And it's not just taking, it's not just bringing people to church to be saved. That's okay, but we're all given the ministry of reconciliation. I think too many times we fall back on the church if I can just get them to church, you know, to get them saved. We're given that ministry. Somebody says, you know, do we give altar calls? My question is, do you give altar calls? And we should give altar calls. You should give altar calls to people, giving them the opportunity to be saved. Relational evangelism. But going back to number three is, is importance of attending a church. When you get saved, you need to get in a good Bible-believing church. And if you're a member, if you're, if you're a Christian, and you're not going to church, how do you tell them that? How do you instruct them that, hey, you need to go to church? Well, that's, yeah, I'd like to do that. I'd like to, I'd like to go. Where do you go to church? Well, you know, I don't, I don't go. I used to go to so-and-so. That's, that's not worth fiddlesticks, is it? Fiddlesticks. Again, we're a part, again, of a local body. And again, it says something to people around us when we go, and it says something to people when we don't. You know, back in the day when I was a, a kid growing up, um, if, uh, you know, we went to church, uh, like I said, we went to church every Sunday. And uh, when we come home, if somebody was out mowing their grass or, you know, we saw them, you know, getting, heading down, down the road, pulling their boat, well, we figured they didn't go to church, you know, and I pray all kind of curses on them. No, I didn't. I'm just kidding. But we recognized and identified them. They probably don't. They probably don't go to church. Well, of course, times have changed. And, uh, you know, there's churches that have uh, multiple services. Some have Saturday service. And um, 
So you can't really make that decision when you see somebody mowing their grass on a Sunday morning. Figured that they didn't go to church. They could have gone on Saturday. Or maybe they, their church has an 8 o'clock service. And they got up early and they went and they did that. So, but people, again, they think. They think if you're connected, if you're a follower of Jesus, there's an expectation, again, that we'll do that. If people are watching us, they watch us. Especially if we, confess, if we profess to be a follower of Christ. Number two is this. Being a part of a church family helps ensure that we won't be an isolated Christian. Being a part of a church family helps ensure that you're not a Christian in isolation. Listen, the local church is a wonderful place. It's a wonderful place to learn to get along with the family of God. Because not everybody you go to church with is as sweet as you are. Amen? And it's a great place to practice unselfishness. You know, you ever been in a church? Come on now, some of you older people, you know what this is like, especially in some of these denominational churches. But it's, it's, in, it's in churches just like, just like us as well, because I've heard it here too. But you ever seen somebody get mad because somebody was in their seat? <laughs> now, if, if, you will, if you'll just keep looking forward and, and just keep smiling, we won't know that we're talking about you. But I've heard people in this church get a little bothered because somebody was sitting, that's my seat. Well, then you should have got there earlier. <laughs> Amen? Right, Ronnie? Now, I'm not, Ronnie didn't say that. I'm just not saying that. And everybody thinks I'm talking about Ronnie, right? You know, Brother Hagen, when, we, when I went to, to Rama, a school that Kenneth Hagen started, um, he was teaching. And, you know, he, he taught a lot by, uh, he, he was reading some of his books and stuff. And so you could, you know, he'd follow him along. And it was, it was good and stuff. And, uh, but when he, when he got down like this, when you saw him come down off the platform, everybody got nervous. <laughs> and he's walking around, and he's just talking. He'd always hold these three fingers, and he'd start talking. And he said, talking about some problems, some, something going on in the school. He said, he said uh, you know, some of these boys, boys sleeping with boys, that ain't right. <laughs> that thing ain't right. And he wasn't talking to him, but he just said, that thing ain't right. So when he came, that's why when, when he came down off the platform, you got a little bit nervous. <laughs> I'm going to come down over here and bother y'all a little bit. Where was I at? I lost my place. Okay, we're talking about in isolation. Okay, um, getting, getting my seat. That's where we're at. Thank you, Paul. I can, I can feel you. We were tracking together. But there's people again that going to church gives you a great opportunity to learn to walk in love with people. Amen? Listen to what it says here in 1 Corinthians 12, 26. It says, if one part of the body suffers, all the other parts suffer with it. Or if one part of the body is honored, all the other parts of the body are honored. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. Dear brothers and sisters, if any, brother, if any believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back on the right path. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. How many of you, I think that, that John 3.16, I think that's probably the most well-known verse in the Bible. I bet that we could even quote that. I'm not going to ask you to, to repeat it after me. Let's say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Now, you know that, didn't you? Most all of you knew that. How about 1 John 3.16? Anybody, can anybody quote 1 John 3.16? Uh, it's another verse, another great verse. Listen to what it says here. 
John 3.16, 1 John 3.16 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters in Christ. I maybe believe that would be a good verse to add to, add to John 3.16 in our memory bank there. This is how we know what love is. Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is an expectation. And I guess a stronger word than expectation would be this is a commandment uh, in the word that God gives us that we would love other people in the body of Christ. Again, he's he's our example of that. Another example where Christ said is for, for husbands. Husbands, love your wives. How? How do we love our wives? As Christ loved the church. You know, there's things that Jesus did for us as examples, like, like husbands loving your wives and loving other Christians. He lived, he lived that way. And then there's other things that Jesus did for us as our substitute, that we don't follow him in that. We follow him in his example, but he became our substitute, so we don't have to do those things. We don't have to die on a cross. We don't have to pay for our sins because he became our substitute. So it's important to know what are the things that he substituted for us and what are the things that he was an example for us in. Number three is this, a church family helps us to grow and to mature in the Lord. And it certainly does that, doesn't it? A church family helps us to grow and to mature in the Lord. And that doesn't just happen just because we attend a worship service or we just, again, we just attend a church as a spectator. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, he makes, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work and helps us, it helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Did you know over 50 times, over 50 times, we see the phrase one another or each other. We are commanded to love each other, to pray for each other, to encourage each other, to admonish each other, to greet one another, to teach each other, to accept each other, to serve one another, to honor one another, to bear one another's burdens, to forgive each other, to submit one to another, to be devoted one to another. And there's many other things that are mentioned in there, but the 50 times we're told that all those things are there. These, fam- these are family responsibilities of the family of God, of the local church, the family that God has put us in. All of these things will help us grow and help us mature in our walk. Well, do you believe that? Amen. Amen. Do you believe it? Well, half of you do. Good. How many of you ever, uh, let me do a little meddling there. How many, how many of you usually get in trouble when you get off meddling? Let me meddling this a little bit. How many of you have ever been in a long-distance relationship? You ever been in a long-distance relationship? And they, they usually go pretty good. Long-distance relationships go pretty good. And why do they go, why do they go, why are they, they, do they go good? It's because, you know, you're not there to see their little idiosyncrasies. You're not here. Sometimes their, their laugh, you know, sometimes the la- your person's laugh can irritate you. And sometimes you don't hear them laughing. You know, back in the day, uh, you know, they didn't have FaceTime, so you couldn't. But it's still, uh, it's not the best way to have a relationship. How many of you would agree with that? A long-distance relationship. I know one couple that they dated for two years online, never met. Just, just and again, this is, this is just through, t- through text messaging. They didn't, I don't think they had, uh, this particular couple didn't have FaceTime at this time. But they, they got together, and when they, when they got together, they broke up. <laughs> it's easy. It's easy. <clears throat> attending church, attending church online, and listen to me, those of you I'm talking to, you, those of you guys that are online right now, attending church online is kind of like a long-distance relationship. Amen? Look at you. You're being quiet. How about you guys online? 
again, it's like a long-distance relationship. And listen, online has its place. It does. It has its place. It's a good thing for people that are shut in, people that can't get out and go to church. You know, people that couldn't, couldn't get out and go to church years ago, uh, we would record our services, and then by Monday or Tuesday, sometimes Wednesday, we'd have it up. So if a person was, was a shut-in, they couldn't go to church. They couldn't see the service <clears throat> until later on. But now uh, we have live, and again, it's the best. It's, the, it's best to be able to do that. Again, it has its place. Online has its place, but it should never be used as an alternative. Online is not, shouldn't be an alternative, and I think it really became that. People got used to that when we went through COVID. And it became, you know, it's easy. It's easy. You don't have to get up. You don't have to get dressed. You can just watch, watch, watch it online. But again, never watch it as an alternative. Watching, watching from home, we don't have the opportunities of those things that we just said just a moment ago. Let me remind you of what that was. To, to encourage one another, admonish one another, greet one another. It's kind of hard to greet people from long-distance relationships. It's kind of gr- hard to greet people from when we're watching online. Uh, accept each other, serve one another, honor, bear, uh, submit one to another, be devoted one to another. Again, these are, these are just simply uh, opportunities that we have w- when we gather together, all of those things. Number four is this. Number four is, and you guys can come, come on up, Jackie. Number four is, <clears throat> are, you are, you are an essential part of the body of Christ, and your church family needs you. That is so, so, so true. Your church family needs you. God has uniquely gifted you. Every one of us have a unique gift that God has given to us, a role that we play in his family. And what it's called, it's called your ministry. We have people that are, that are gifted. We have people that serve in our, in our parking lot. And when they really stand out, Sundays like last week and a couple, couple months ago, when it poured down rain, those guys are out there walking people to their, to their cars. That's a gift. I mean, that's a, that's a gift of hospitality and nice, uh, being just, just being super friendly, being encouraging. And uh, our greeters, they always stand around at the doors and they greet you and in the auditorium. But let me tell you, just because uh, they are official on there, assigned on a Sunday, doesn't give you the day off for being a Christian and being greeting and sharing with one, one another. You might not be on the official greeter team, but in here, be kind, be nice, be, be open to one another. A couple, let's say it's about a couple, about a month ago, I told you, I don't know what I was talking about, but I said, hey, let's don't rush out, let's stay in and uh, just kind of greet one another, find somebody that you don't know, go over and introduce yourself to them, da-da-da-da. Paul and I, we usually walk out that door, and we usually meet, beat people, probably we beat people that are going out the door. There's a couple out here that always, is, that's, uh, that always beats us out. You know I'm talking to. That's not a bad thing, you're just fast. But... Uh, <laughs> But nobody, nobody came out. We were out there. I mean, I, was, I almost cried. It was so good. People stayed around. They were fellowshipping. It was, it was awesome. So thank you. Appreciate you doing that. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says this. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Again, you may have a... How many of you know what a parachurch ministry is? Parachurch ministry is, would be like a great example. That would be uh, Focus on the Family. Uh, Dr. James Dobson, a great, tremendous ministry. And there's people, they have volunteers that help them. And that's a, that's a good thing to do that. But again, those things are good. But again, your church, 
Your church comes first. Whether you're here or you're at Trinity or you're at Lamb's Chapel or whatever, our church is our church family. That's who God has put us with. And it's a good thing to be involved in those parachurch ministries. But again, don't forget your church. Isn't that right, Ronnie? Jesus promised to build what? His church. Not necessarily build my ministry. He's, but he'll help us if he leads us into a ministry. God, where he guides, he provides. But again, understand Understand where your priorities lie. We'll share in Christ with his mission. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work that he does. The good work that he's gotten ready for us to do. The work that we better be doing. That's the message translation. Listen, a good church, a good local church will help you find and discover your purpose. And they'll help you walk in that purpose as in turn you will help them walk in their purpose the difference between a church attender and a church attender and between a church attender and a church member is one word and it's called commitment this is what it says in 2nd Corinthians chapter 8 verse 5 and they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us just as God wanted them to do first you become a follower of Christ. You become a committed follower of Christ. You commit yourself to Him. And second, you become a church member by committing yourself to a specific group of people. A body that God is... The Bible says that there's a place that it pleased God to put you. That means that there's a church. There's a church body that has pleased God to put you in. Here's a great question, and I'll close with this. It's a great question for, for us to consider. Does my level of involvement in my local church demonstrate that I love God and I'm committed to his family? Or another way to say that, that I love God and I'm committed to the family that he has assigned me to. Because again, there is a place that God is pleased to put you. Let me ask you this question. If you were to die today, God forbid that something were to happen. God forbid that... You know, you were in, a, in, a, in an accident, you were go, going out, and, you, and your heart just exploded, and you, God forbid that that were to happen. But if today, if today was their last day on this earth, where would you go? Where are you going to spend eternity? And somebody says, well, Pastor, I, I, sure, I, hope, I, hope, I'd, I hope I'd go to heaven. You know, we can't hope our way to heaven. Well, I think I'd go. We can't think our way to heaven. Well, my parents, here's a good one. My parents, I was raised in church. I, you know, for a long time, I went to church. Going to church doesn't save us. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father unless they're drawn by Him. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, what does that mean? What does that mean? It just means that He died for you and all of your sins are forgiven. And we just confess our sins. We just, not every one of them, but just, Father, I confess that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. And again, that's the key right there of him being the Lord of your life. But again, so it's not just saying a sinner's prayer. It's really making Jesus the Lord of your life. If we confess that I believe in him, Jesus says that if, you, if we'll abide in him and his word abides in us, ask what you will and it will be done for you. It's not just that there's people that think, oh, I'm a Christian, I've said the sinner's prayer, I can ask God, and they get frustrated when everything that they pray for doesn't happen. But it's again, when we make him the Lord of our life, that means that we're a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And we come together and we do our best with the help of the Holy Spirit to walk in his way and to walk in his word. Amen.
So today, if you're here and you've never, you've never made that step, you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, you can do that today. And you can walk out of here as assured, knowing that you're going to heaven as though you are already there. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9 that he, he bears witness with us. I'm sorry, that's in Romans chapter 8, verse 16. The Spirit of God, the precious Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that we are, that we are the child of God, that we're born again. We can know that we're saved, 1 John 5, 14. And this, I write this to those who believe that they may know that they have eternal life. You can know it. You don't have to think it. You don't have to hope it. You can know. How many of you know right now? You know if you were to die right now, you know where you'd go. Amen. That's, that's good assurance. I have that assurance on the inside of me. I have that, that spirit, that witness. And if you're here and you don't, I just don't know. I think, I hope. I, I adjure you, don't, don't leave here today without making that step with him. Just pray a simple prayer just like I just did a moment ago. I can lead you in it, but again, I don't want you to think it's just in saying a prayer. It's in saying a prayer and then walking out. Does that mean you're perfect the moment you got it? Spiritually, you are. You're born again. It's your brand new creation. But you still got the same old flesh. Your flesh didn't get saved. You know, you're a, you're a, you're a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a physical body. And the, the part of that that gets saved when you ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and to come in to be the Lord of your life is your spiritual. It's a spiritual transformation. We still have to deal with that flesh, those fleshly desires. And that's what trips so many people up. Well, I must not be saved because I, I still think this way or I said this, this slipped out of my mouth. That's okay. The Bible says to believers, he's faithful and just to forgive us for our sins if we would just confess our sins. God, I'm sorry. I blew it. I shouldn't have done that. And you know what he does? You're clean again. Amen. Maybe you're a prodigal son or daughter and you're, you're coming back to him. You, maybe you've been away for a while and you, you're back maybe you're back in church maybe you want to come back to him this is a new you know, a new part it's a new new beginning of the year uh, that's a great thing to do but we love you this church loves you we want to be there for you we'll help you we'll help you find your call your purpose and we want to see you walking out in the will of God in your life as well as we want God's will to be in all of our lives amen Father, we bless you again today. We love you. We honor you today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your church. We thank you for the body of Christ. Lord, I thank you, God. I thank you for every person, God, that you brought to this place. Lord, from the north, the south, the east, and the west to be a part of what you've got for this church to do. God, we honor you and we bless you. We magnify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. 